Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. No, don't you love that? I'm so glad you're with me today. This is going to be a beautiful day today as I talk to you about working out what God works in. We have to work out what God works in. Beautiful teaching, simple and life-changing. And thank you for being my partner. I really mean that with all my heart. Now let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today. I pray you'll bless your people wonderfully, mightily. Use them, anoint them, bless them for your glory. Amen. Now, you know why I do this every day? Because I want to see you strong in the Lord. I want to see you finish stronger than when you began as a Christian. Now, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. And I'd like to ask a question. If Jesus died for all, why are not all saved? If Jesus died for all, why aren't they all saved? Well, remember the story, and I'll get to the portion in Philippians 2 in a moment, but remember the story I told you yesterday about a judge who was a friend to a man who had committed an offense. And uh, the man was guilty of this offense. The judge was his friend, and he was friends with the judge. But for the judge to do his job, he, he had, of course, to punish him with a penalty. He had to pay quite a bit of money for the offense. And he gave him the harshest of judgments. But then he came off the bench and gave the man a check and said, go pay for the offense. Now, that's what God did for us, of course. We are the ones who sinned. But God Almighty came down from his throne, was nailed to a cross. The judge of the world came off his bench, basically, and hands you and I a check and says, it's paid for. So he paid the penalty for our sin. Now, the question I also have is, what if that man, and by the way, that's a true story I told you yesterday, but what if that man who was the friend to the judge after he had committed the offense and the judge had to uh, place on him a severe judgment but comes and hands him a check, what if he tore the check and threw it on the floor? Would he be forgiven? <laughs> of course not. So that's why I say, if Jesus died for all, why are they not all saved? So... Let's talk about the Bible. Let's, let's, uh, let's understand something here. The Bible tells us that we have a part in salvation. So it says in Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read verse 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do 
his good pleasure. So here we have something very uh, important, very powerful, and what really says is our, uh, our, our salvation becomes effective when we respond the right way, when we respond the right way to the gospel, to the word of God. So when, when someone hears the gospel, his mind may be convinced, his mind may be convinced, his emotions may be stirred, but if his will is not moved, if his will is not moved to act, well, he can't be saved. So a man can hear the gospel. I've had many people hear the gospel in our crusades. And to be honest with you, I've had many of them uh, mentally convinced that Jesus died for them, that Jesus loves them, that he rose from the dead, and uh, in some cases you would see him weep and even come down to an altar. But later you would hear how they went back in, into the world, which means they didn't really make that decision. It was, it was mental, it was emotional, and the will was not involved. Do you remember in Luke, <clears throat> let's go to Luke 15, and the prodigal son had to say something, had to act. So it says that he said, I will arise, I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned. So here, there is that decision. The will has to act. It's not about the mind being convinced, the emotions being stirred. It's about the will. And I think you have friends, I have people that I've known over the years who really never went all the way with God and then fell off. They left the faith. So what happened? The will was not involved. It was really mental, it was emotional. So the Bible has a lot to say about this. And the Bible uh, explains to us what repentance really is. I wanna talk about that with, with you, because you don't, we, we don't hear much about that. But you all recall in Revelation 22, 17, it says, whosoever will, whosoever will, let him come and take the waters of life, really. There's gotta be a will. There's gotta be an action. So in salvation, the decision of the will is expressed in what? Repentance towards God. Now, let's talk about what does it mean when the Bible talks about repentance towards God? What does it really mean? In Acts 20, for example, <clears throat> and verse 21, Paul says, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let me explain what that really means. First, repentance towards God. Secondly, faith, faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. So, repentance towards God is a, a change of course, not so much a change of mind. 
Repentance means you change the course of your life. It is not mental. It is not emotional. So instead of rejecting the Lord or ignoring the Lord, that person has to acknowledge who Jesus truly is in his life. That Jesus is the Savior, Jesus is the Lord, and he, the individual, is a sinner in need of a Savior. But it also means something else. It's more than saying, I'm sorry. It's more than saying, forgive me. It is truly a change of course. I'll tell you a story. A father and a son were living together in a, in a log cabin up north. And the father kept asking the son to go get some wood for the fire. It was cold. And the father kept asking his son to go please and find wood out there and bring it in so they can put it in the, in the fireplace and get some warmth. And the son ignored the dad and ignored his requests repeatedly. Finally, the father said, now listen, if you're not going to uh, uh, obey, if you won't do what I'm telling you, you need to leave. And the son left in anger. A few weeks went by. The son felt bad and sorry about what he did to his dad. He came back to the cabin and said, you know, dad, I'm sorry. And the father responds by, okay, now go get the wood. So repentance doesn't mean I'm sorry. It means go do it. Go get the wood. Go do what the father says for you to do. He's been saying it all along. So repentance is explained to us in Matthew 21. Matthew 21, verse 28, okay? So now the Lord explains this to us in a beautiful way. And so the Lord asks, and but what think ye? A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went, so he did it. He came to the second and said likewise, and he answered and said, I go, but he did not go. So one son did it, even though at first his mind and, and emotions didn't want it, but he acted. He said, you know what? I'm going to go work. I'm going to go do it. And then the Lord said, whither of them twain did the will of his father? They said unto him, the first, Jesus said unto them, Very I say unto you, that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. So it's the one who does. That's what the point is. That's what repentance is all about. It's a true change, of course. And with repentance, there's always fruit. There's always results. In Matthew 3, verse 8, it says, bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance or worthy of repentance. So there's got to be fruit. And what is that fruit? 
Well, we, we, we see it in Proverbs, and this is something that we see throughout the Bible, not just in this, in this one portion, Proverbs 28. You know, this is so simple, but so important that we talk about this, because today nobody's talking about it. It's hard lessons and nobody. But, you know, a lot of people aren't even discussing this. What is real repentance? It says, he that covers, I'm reading Proverbs 28, 13. He that covers his sin will not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh, whoever will confess their sin and forsakes their sin, will find mercy, will have mercy. So it's important that we emphasize, we don't just confess, you got to leave it. Conf- not just confess it, forsake it. You have to forsake that sin. You have to, to, to leave that life you've lived. You have to leave that sin behind and not go back to it. And God Almighty gives us the power when he sees our will is yes. Then he gives us the power. That's what it means in Philippians 2. Let's go back to it one more time. Because sometimes I think we, we miss this beautiful portion here of this amazing uh, word. Wherefore, my beloved, I'm reading again verse 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It is God who works in you both to will and to do. The minute you decide yes, God will give you the will to perform it. But you have to say yes. You have to be willing to change your course of life. I'm talking to somebody who really needs this. I'm talking to people who really need this. So it's not about, Lord, I'm sorry, and I repent, and you go back over and over confessing the same sins you've been confessing and struggling with for years and years and years. It's time you say, no, no, no. I'm not going to go back to it. Lord, I will stop. Lord, I will obey you. Lord, I will follow you. Because repentance, and this is something very important. Repentance is a state. Repentance is a keeping that repentance, keeping that repentance. And, and it says so, and we see it very clearly in what I just read in Matthew. Uh, let's go back again to Matthew, please. So Matthew 3, verse 8 is so powerful because when you look at that, at that verse, you have to see the depth. Bring forth, therefore, fruit. Fruit is continual. Fruit doesn't only happen once in our lives. Fruit is continuous. Now, we don't live in a, in a, in a state of brokenness. We don't live in a state where every day we're going back and confessing the same sins. No, it is where our hearts are always broken, tender towards the Lord. A broken heart God will not despise. You, you, you live the kind of life Vasilya Schlink wrote a book years ago that really changed my life. 
repentance, the joy for life. And people, some of them don't like that because, ah, you know, I already repented. I don't have to repent again. No, no. Repentance is a state of heart. It's where you live with a desire to live holy, with an abhorrence of sin, rejecting the world's offers of sin, saying no continually to the temptations to sin. That's what I mean by repentance. Repentance isn't just, oh Lord, I'm so sorry, forgive me. Then you go do it again. Repentance is fruit that comes all the time. And what is the fruit? The fruit is, Lord, everything in me wants to live holy. Everything in me hates my sin, hates to go back to my sin. I don't want to go back to my sin. I don't want to even look at it. And when the world offers it to me, I say no immediately and not even entertain it. That is what repentance is. Repentance is the, the, the life we've been called into. The cross, basically. The crucified life. That's true repentance. So it's not about being always sorry and always sad. That's not even repentance. That's emotional stuff. It's a lot of people who are always sorry for their sin. But they haven't really repented. So repentance towards God. That's where you forsake it. You say, I'm done with it. And then faith in our Lord Jesus. Now, look, I know some of you are probably wondering, well, I, you know, I don't have the strength. Look, we, we, we don't have the strength for anything in the Christian life. He is our strength. The Lord is our strength. We make the decision, and we mean it. And when we do make the decision and mean it, and our will is there, like the prodigal son says, I will arise I will go to my father. I will say I'm sorry and mean it. God knows our hearts. God knows when it's not mental or emotional, when it's real. And he comes in and gives us the power to support that will in us, to give us that the amazing part of the Holy Spirit to carry it through. Now, what does it mean when Paul says faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Acts 20, 21. What does it mean when, when, when he says repentance toward God and faith towards our Lord? Okay, so faith, again, is not something mental. Faith is not mental acceptance. Believing about Jesus is not believing in Jesus. You've heard me say it. I'll say it again in case you didn't hear it. If I should say to you, do you believe I exist, you'll say yes. If I say, do you believe in me, some of you who think I'm a nice guy will say yes, but you can't believe in me because believing in me, you will have to trust me with your soul. Well, nobody will do that for you. Only God is worthy of that faith to believe in the Lord, not that that the Lord has done such, such, such. So people say, well, I believe that Jesus came. So does the devil. I believe that Jesus died. So does the devil. I believe that Jesus shed his blood. Okay, but you're no different than anyone else in the enemy's camp who believes that too. Even demons believe that. I believe that he rose again. Fine, but 
it doesn't make a change in your life. I believe that Jesus ascended on high. I believe that he's coming again. It doesn't change you. Why? Because you have to believe in him, not about him. So believing about Jesus is believing that he did and so and so. But you believe in, that changes the whole thing. So Abraham believed in God, trusting him completely. And God declared him what? Righteous. And that's what true faith is. Faith is believing in the Lord, not about the Lord or that the Lord has done. And people say, well, I believe that Jesus loves me. It doesn't change your life. But when you believe in him, that love becomes real in your life. It'll take hold of you. So faith is not mental. Believing about Jesus is not enough. You know, James, in, in his book, James chapter 2 and verse 19, you all remember what he said, but I'll read it to you. He said, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So faith is a heart matter, not a, not, a, not a brain matter, not a mental thing, not an emotional thing. In Romans 10, 10, it says, well, the heart man believeth. It means it leads to total dependence on the Lord. It leads to total surrender to the Lord. It leads, frankly, to total commitment where we say, Lord Jesus, I submit my life to you. I give my life to you. And I want you to rule over my life. So when, when, it, when it says believing in the Lord, so believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said to the, to the man there in Macedonia. Believe on the Lord. Well, what does it mean to believe? It means, Lord, I commit my life to you completely. I, I submit my life to you completely. Rule over my life. Take it over. I don't want to live my life. You live your life through me. That's what it means. Faith towards, faith in our Lord towards him, faith towards the Lord. So the Bible says to us to make our election sure. And that's the way you make your election sure. I just gave it to you from Acts 20. So powerful, okay? So let's go to 2 Peter. Let's go to 2 Peter. And let's look at chapter 1, and let's look at verse 10. I hope you're writing all this down. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Well, I've just been talking about it. Truly following the Lord. And then the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians something else about this, just as I close, and I want to pray with you. Uh, 13 verse 5, 2 Corinthians 13 5, examine yourselves whether you be in faith. Examine your hearts whether your Christian life really is a Christian life. So how do we know that? Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The moment you accept the Lord, you begin to hate sin. The minute you accept Jesus and commit your life to him and say, Lord, rule over my life, everything in you will, will, will long for holiness and abhor, abhor sin. You can't even look at the world and entertain the things of the world. 
You'll come to that place where like in Jude, it says, you'll even hate the very garments touched by the flesh. When someone hates sin, they will not feed the flesh with the things of the world. They will focus completely on the word of God. They will immerse themselves in the Bible. They will say to the Lord, Lord, establish me in your word and establish your word in my life. They become completely committed to Jesus Christ and true disciples. Doesn't mean they're gonna reach perfection in this life. We will reach that place when we see the Lord. And then he'll deliver us from the presence of sin. I've been telling you about the difference between the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin. The penalty of sin, God forgave you when you got saved. You were forgiven from the penalty of the past. The power of sin, you are free from it as you progressively grow in the Lord. Then you're free from the power of sin. When the word of God fills your life, and now you have the ability and the power to live the Christian life, and the power of sin is no longer able to keep you back or hold you. But on that glorious day, when you see Jesus, you'll be free from the presence of sin. But I want to focus one more time on the power of sin. The power of sin is progressive. We, we're free from it progressively. The, the, the penalty of sin, we are set free from it instantly. When we say, Lord, come into my heart, we are free from the past, from the penalty of sin. That's what is meant by justification. But sanctification means a process of growth. We grow into righteousness. We grow into the knowledge of Jesus. We grow into holiness. We grow into his life. And we are growing into him, meaning we are being changed from our image to his image progressively. We all begin with Jesus in my heart. Our destination is, I will be in his heart. So that's why Paul hits on in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So we begin the Christian life with Jesus in me, but now our destination is I am in Jesus. And when we are in Jesus, then we're free. And that is, is the promise of God. And the day will come when we are so complete in him to the full stature that we will be free from the very presence of sin. And that will happen when we see the Lord. So I hope this has helped you today, and I hope this has blessed you today, and I pray you will work out what God has worked in. Father, in Jesus' name, come on, let's believe. Lord, help them come to that place to work out their salvation with true fear and trembling. Not be afraid, but holy fear for you, Lord, and trembling in awe, that we stand in awe of our salvation and work it out with repentance towards you and faith towards our precious Jesus. We live that kind of life daily. And on that day, we'll hear you say, well done. So Lord, give them that mighty anointing that they need to live that life. Let your presence fill and guide them in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. All right. Thank you for being with me again today. You know, we've had some powerful teachings for you this week, and we're going to continue, and you, I'll be with you again tomorrow, of course, 
And I want you now to give a gift to the Lord's work. Yes, I'm asking because the Bible says we're, we are to, to sow seed. And I'm giving you the word of God here. And the Bible is clear that when you have given the Lord your heart, it's easy to give him your life and your money. So now it's time to give the Lord our money because the gospel is free, but the means to deliver the gospel is very expensive. And uh, I'm asking you as God's wonderful child and, and God's beloved to support his work. And I wanna in advance say thank you for your love and your support and your generosity. You sweet partners have been so wonderful and so, uh, oh my goodness, what a blessing you've been to my personal life and to the ministry God has given me. And I wanna do more for the Lord. My, my real heart today is to strengthen the church because I hear about what's going on out there today, even pastors, a third of pastors today, according to our study, don't even believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. And a third of them don't even believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. And think about that. And they're denying the faith. So right now we have a big job ahead of us to strengthen the church and the people of God. So help me do it, please. Help me do it. And you can give right now on the platform you're watching me on. You can give by going to our website, benihin.org, and actually watch my dailies on the web too. And you can give by, by simply texting BHM45777. And help me, by the way, by subscribing to our channels, YouTube and so on, because that really helps us spread the word. And talk about this to your friends that we are on daily on social media. Much love to you. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.